Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, part two of my conversation with documentary filmmakers Wes and Justin Fall, who reveal the connections between a secret government UFO program and the occult. Insert clip. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. Part two of my two-part conversation with Justin and Wes Fall from Fourth Watch Films is coming up, and we'll discuss Jack Parsons, the founder of JPL, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, nefarious occultist Aleister Crowley, and their connection to the modern-day UFO phenomenon. Before that, just a reminder, I'll be sitting in for George Norrie tonight, Friday, June the 12th, on Coast to Coast AM. I'll be back in the Coast Air Chair, Saturday, June the 13th. So go to coasttocoastam.com for more information. And don't forget about my Sunday night show, The Conspiracy Show, on Zoomer Radio AM 740 in Toronto. You can stream that show live at zoomerradio.ca if you're outside of the the, uh, listening area. And incidentally, AM 740 has a huge, mammoth broadcast footprint, the largest in North America. You can listen on AM 740 in many parts of the United States, from Maine to Minnesota, south to the Carolinas, all across Ontario, parts of Manitoba, parts of Quebec. But if you're outside of the listening area, again, you can stream live at zoomerradio.ca or get yourself the free Zoomer Radio app. One additional way to listen, and that is on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And that kicks off Sunday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern. Go to strangeplanet.ca for more information. In their new documentary film, Higher Entities, The Lost Tapes, filmmakers Justin and Westfall reveal the event which set into motion the modern-day UFO phenomenon. As chronicled in the film, it was the Alamantra working ritual performed by occultist Aleister Crowley in 1918 at the Great Pyramid. This ritual supposedly opened a dimensional rift allowing an entity called Lamb to come through. Lamb appeared as an alien gray. JPL rocket engineer and Crowley admirer Jack Parsons 
developed a similar ritual over the course of two years based on the Babylon working ritual, the goal of which was to open a portal to bring through the forerunner of the Antichrist. And from the point of Parsons' Babylon working ritual, there was this massive influx of UFO activity, including the Kenneth Arnold sightings, the Roswell incident, and UFO fleets buzzing the White House. Uh, Parsons took credit for the UFO flap, and a secretive group within the government known as the Collins Elite were charged with investigating the connection between Parsons and the UFO activity. The members of the Collins Elite had Christian backgrounds and came to believe the UFO ET phenomenon was caused by the rituals and were ultimately demonic. Let's see, we talked about Eisenhower's meeting at Holloman Air Force Base with the gray aliens. They struck up a deal. The aliens, and we use that term in quotes because we're not talking about ETs, we're talking about interdimensionals, demonic perhaps. They were basically given carte blanche. They could come and go as they please into our airspace. They could abduct who they wanted to abduct. Now, why do they need to abduct us? What are they after exactly? That's a great question, and that's actually what I uh, <laughs> what I was trying to remember when I blanked when we were speaking last. I think personally that it ties into this whole transhumanist agenda that we're going to be well, we're seeing it unfold today. And you know, as the Bible talks about, as in the days of Noah, so shall be the second coming of the Son of Man. Well, there was a lot of that going on back then, and so I think we're seeing that come full circle. But for me, I mean, that, that's the only thing that really makes sense is that, you know, they're, they're trying to do these experiments. They're trying to learn more about the human genome and they're trying to ultimately, I think this is going to lead us into, you know, what the Bible talks about the mark of the beast. And that's literally going to change people from being human into being a tra- into a, a transitionary state of transhuman and then finally to, uh, ultimately to, to being posthuman. But I think that that's where that, that's going to lead. Some people have reported, you know, that males have reported their sperm being removed, females, their eggs removed. Is there some sort of an alien, again, in quotes, and human hybrid program going on? In other words, are they trying to raise an army for the final, the Battle of Armageddon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, Richard, I'm glad you brought that up because this is getting into a little bit of what our, our next project is going to be on. Uh, we're, we're about to get started on Hollow Earth Chronicles Episode 2, getting really into the deep underground military bases uh, where there's whole levels of, you know, chimera technology being engaged. I mean, you're talking about uh, levels where you're looking at these these animal-human hybrids, which, by the way, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is a true conspiracy fact. You can go back, uh, I mean, goodness, back as, as early as 2008, I was reading that parliament in the UK, the, the, the British parliament, you know, they were uh, saying that not only are they allowing the scientists to create chimera embryos, I, I'm using their language here, they said chimera embryos. So not only can they create them, but Parliament put laws in place to protect the scientists that were creating these abominations, and yet further to protect these abominations that they were creating. Now this goes all the way back into the into the early 2000s. Mid, you know, uh, I mean, I was reading about it in 2008, 2009. But I mean, this stuff is it's it's unbelievable because we do believe. That there's things that are taking place inside the earth right now. We believe that there are uh, deep underground military bases that have levels that are so deep that only certain people, matter of fact, can access, such as Lieutenant Colonel Gregory Rinrich, who, you know, we, we talk about in the film, who, who ended up having to not be in the film last minute 
because of some very, very threatening scenarios that were coming upon you know his family because of him talking. Right. I, I, I do want to come back to uh, to that gentleman uh, because you spend a little bit in a little bit of time in the documentary, kind of chasing him down and and hoping to get an interview with this elusive uh, gentleman. But um, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned earlier, and as part of the negotiation at Holloman Air Force Base, uh, Eisenhower agreed that the the um, aliens, quote end quote, uh, could abduct uh, human specimens. Uh, but they they were they had to give the names of these abductees to I think you said Majestic Twelve. What was the purpose of that? I personally think that it had to do with control, damage control specifically. Um, the government, you know, a non-existent meeting takes place and there's a deal struck, and that deal allows you know the the U.S. government to basically um, sell out, you know, basically to sell people to the aliens, not by name per se, but allowing them to just take what they want. Uh, in that scenario, the government wants to know who those people are, probably for the sake of damage control, so that they can kind of monitor, you know, that person, monitor that area, see if they're creating any buzz or any hype, and then even to further uh, make them look crazy, you know, because back then, you know, if somebody was running around talking about being abducted by aliens, uh, they would probably be looked at as the town drunk. Right. And so I, I imagine that the government wanted to have their names for the sake of damage control solely. All right. I want to um, try and wrap my head around something here, and that is the the whole UFO disclosure movement. We're being constantly teased. And I, I think, you know, a large part of me thinks we're being totally played here. Uh, in other words, let's go back to Roswell. First of all, they teased us. They issued a, a memo. The Roswell Army uh, Airfield issues a memo saying we've captured a disc, a flying disc. And then they changed the story and said, no, it was just uh, an experimental uh, high altitude surveillance balloon to test for, you know, to, 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 uh, detect nuclear uh, testing from the Soviet Union. Uh, and then they changed the story again, and it was something else. Uh, so it's like this onion, layer upon layer upon layer. Uh, but these are these then, am I to understand, all cover stories, because the ultimate truth at the core of, you know, beneath all of those layers, those onion layers, is the reality that we're dealing with, not extraterrestrials, but interdimensional. So I guess my question is, who decided and when to create this UFO cover story that we're still kind of being led along with. Well, that was part of the agreement, uh, according to the family of Eisenhower, was that they could not disclose these things to the public. So I imagine there was probably something in the meetings that, that would follow, secret meetings that were not documented, where they had to come up with solutions for the questions that were going to be brought forward. And and I think that that's probably what happened. I think that they were uh, they created some science fiction ideas uh, to basically almost create a, an artificial narrative. You know, they manufactured this idea so that they could keep the public from knowing exactly what was going on. And that was part of the agreement that Eisenhower had with these, quote unquote, gray aliens. Um, 
the the great aliens. I I, I want to just take a moment to say this. I don't think we said this on Coast to Coast, but uh, from from my years of research, um, the great aliens first and foremost, they are the most popular uh, image of an alien that you will see. I mean, people who don't believe in in any of this stuff, they still know what a gray is. Maybe not by name, but by by picture, they would be like, oh, that's an alien. That's that's kind of become the cliche uh, image of an alien. You know, gray, blue, green, but they all look you know they all look like an alien gray. Right. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because I believe there are two types, at least, maybe more uh, types of gray aliens. I believe that there are uh, the intelligible grays, which are probably a, a middle, you know, a mid-range entity. Uh, I also believe that the higher entities can shapeshift. I believe this is a biblical idea. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, we're told to be careful how we treat strangers, Richard, because we could be entertaining an angel unaware. So we do know that angels can take on the form of man or on, you know, they can go back to their, uh, you know, original form, if you will. And so that when they appear as man, people don't get freaked out. But there's countless times in scripture where angels appear. Sometimes they appear as men. Sometimes they appear as angels. And generally when they appear in their, their natural form, uh, it's the normal reaction of mankind to just fall down on the ground and worship these things because they are literally something so potent and so fearful uh, that we are not used to seeing anything like this in our rationalized world. But I do believe that those angels, the fallen ones, uh, could likely take on form to look like a lower entity in the event that they wanted to further a certain narrative. But then we have these grays that are unintelligible. Now, these are the ones that so many people have experiences with where they feel paralysis. They're surrounded by these these gray aliens in their bedroom. Yet these things might as well be bobblehead dolls with batteries in them. I mean, they're moving around almost like a robot, yet there's nothing intelligible going on. They're, they're really uh, – they're not really doing anything. They're not, they're obviously not in control of, you know, there's something else controlling them basically. Um, and that's possibly what we might have seen. There, there is debate about the entities that, that were in the, the crashed desk at Roswell. Um, there's a lot of debate there, but if they really did get some bodies there, they would probably have been these uh, biological meat suits that would have been a mixture of alien and human DNA or even animal DNA, uh, which I call the unintelligible grays. And those are literally meat puppets. They're, they're body suits that a demon uh, or another entity could take over, if you will, and control like a remote control puppet. Right, because if they, if we're talking about demonic entities, they are spirit, right? They're not flesh and, it is not against, you know, flesh and, and blood that we battle. It is against, uh, you know, spirits. So these are, these are, these recovered bodies, as you say, uh, dead aliens, we're told, are, are not. They are just, they are, you call them meat puppets. These were inhabited by the, I guess, the spirit of these demonic entities. Well, we, I, I we, think we we're have... dealing with different, we're, there's different classifications, like some, like Justin was talking about, the little grays, um, and Stan Dale believes this as well, that they are just little, they're like fit extensions, if you would, for, for demons to be able to, to interact in this realm. But then on the other side of that, like such as the Nordics, um, those would fall under the classifications of actual um, fallen angels of the, the you know the sons the sons of God that the Bible talks about, and and they're um, they're physical beings. I mean, in Scripture it says that well, one they can uh, cohabitate with women, um, but also they can eat. Um, they they hold a physical shell. You can act uh, in what is it uh, when they were in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Um, they actually talked about lot grabbing one of them and like pulling them back in. So like they're a physical being. So I think we're dealing with two different things, uh, two different classifications there. Right. And we've seen video from the uh, International Space Station. Uh, we, we probably, most of us have seen this one maybe on YouTube where it looks like two UFOs, uh, are, are kind of having a dog fight. Um, what are we witnessing there? Is that a battle between two different types of interdimensionals or angels and demons? You know, it's tough to say because the question that you asked earlier, uh, actually several questions, um, I would just kind of draw to this idea that there is still a disinformation campaign going on here. And, you know, being, being a graduate, uh, from film school, being trained in special effects, you know, Hollywood special effects, editing techniques, uh, CG, uh, I mean, these are all things that we were trained uh, professionally in film school. And, you know, I, it's really easy to create a video like that. I mean, and look, I don't want to sound too conspiratorial here, but it, it you know, I, I just, I see that stuff and I'm like, wow, we could have made that really easily to push a certain agenda or to give, you know, conspiracy theorists something to just, you know, go nuts over. So I'm not fully convinced that that's actually real. I'm not saying that the the background footage isn't real. I'm just saying like the actual composited images uh, of of the alleged UFOs could have been faked, you know. But I don't know. I mean, there is war going on in heaven. I mean, I believe that there is ongoing stuff taking place in the heavens between good and bad. And you know, I uh, I think the, the biggest the biggest fight, the biggest war is going on on Earth because it is for our souls. You know, the, Satan knows that his time is short. He wants the souls of humanity. He wants our allegiance. And so I do believe there's there's going to be wars going on in the heavens between the good and the bad. And, and, and you know, there's things we don't understand about all of that. But I believe that it will probably be culminating even more as we approach the last days. But I don't think it's going to look like two little silver discs, you know, chasing each other uh, like, you know, Chip and Dale fighting on the tree on the tree branch. So right. I just I'm real skeptical about some of the stuff that they're releasing. Um, and I think they're doing that strategically in line with the agreement Eisenhower allegedly made where we will not disclose uh, the fullness of these things to the public. So you mentioned I, Stan, uh, sorry, you mentioned Stan Dale earlier. Stan Dale has been on this program. Uh, he's a regular on Coast to Coast. M- many people will know him about it from his, you know, his survival um, information and so forth, but he was also uh, heavily featured in your in your film. And uh, tell me about Stan Dayo and what he was doing in Australia. Yeah, um, Stan was over there. He was working for the Aeronautical Research Lab in Australia. Um, while he was there, he was working on anti gravity craft. And just to give some uh, some fizz credentials, he had above top secret. Above top secret security clearance, uh, working with the FBI. He did some undercover work with them, uh, worked exclusive black projects specializing in anti-gravity craft. And then this just keeps going on. Advanced propulsion engineer for marine, air and spacecraft. Um, Stan's a great resource and he's, he's been on the ground. I mean, he's, he's put the, the time in and, um, what we found from him, he, he confirmed a lot of things that we were finding. Um, some, uh, some of that being the Eisenhower, uh, agreement or the Treaty of Grenada, uh, because he was working, uh, Stan was working in, in an underground military base in Australia. And, um, he said that there, he was aware of the agreements that, that were made and that we basically gave them, we as in humankind, uh, or governments, uh, gave them underground facilities to work, sometimes under ocean facilities as well. 
and they would do that in exchange for, for their technology. And that's where the anti-gravity craft uh, tech came from. Uh, he talked about time dilation, talked about uh, molecular, molecular physics, being able to walk through walls without breaking yourself, and just crazy stuff like that. But he said those were just like little, you know, basically toy technologies that they were trading um, in, in exchange for their, their space underground. Now, he worked on, uh, in an underground base. Did he have face-to-face with these entities? He was not in direct contact with them. Most of the information came from his, um, from his security team. And he talks, he, he has some really, really insane stories, um, about, uh, even gun battles and things that took place. Um, but he did, he did give one story that he told us, uh, cause he was breaking down the different types of entities that he was aware of. And he even went forward, um, the, well, who was it? The, I think it was the former minister of defense up in your neck of the woods, uh, Richard talked Paul, about 13 types Paul, of entities. Paul Hellier, yes. Yes, sir. And so he, um, so he breaks down that, but the, the stories that he, he told about were, um, were secondhand involved in face to face contact with these things. But his, his one story, he was at the UN and I think it was, uh, an economic forum or something like that. And he talks about being, uh, in a room with these two really tall, it was a, a male and a female and they kind of cornered him and it was just him and them in there. And they started probing him on some different questions on, uh, the world economics, and he said he just felt this this really strange, uh, you know, denseness in the air. He, he said that he felt like he was a, a a bird in a cage, you know, a canary in a cage, and that they were the they were the predators. <laughs> and um, he he didn't see them out in the in the light. One one give uh, giveaway for the Nordics supposedly is that they have uh, like a shining skin or um, looks like uh, like you know rainbows on their skin uh, in the sunlight. Um, which he didn't see them out there, so he can't he can't verify that that was the case. But um, but he is definitely um, definitely a solid source, and he's uh, he's put in a lot of time in this in this area. When you go back to Genesis chapter six, and, and we have these sons of God, and that they're taking wives of, of you know daughters of men and, and their uh, their offspring. Um, yeah, you know, we we have these different cultures of the world uh, that are giving reptilian um, or or what some would call serpentine qualities or characteristics to their offspring, and they're saying that these angels that engaged in the sexual sin uh, that they and they also had uh, what we would call serpentine qualities. Uh, it's it's fascinating. You know, you, you look at some of these uh, these skulls that they're finding these elongated skulls, and some of them. Uh, have what we would call a detachable jaw, very similar to snakes. Now, there's just some very wild stuff about that, but I do believe that this idea of a reptilian, uh, you know, it goes back to the seed of the serpent, and I don't mean Cain. I don't believe Cain uh, was the seed of the serpent. I believe that the seed of the serpent really took off in Genesis chapter 6, and that was the fulfillment or the beginning of the fulfillment of the Genesis 3 prophecy the war between Christ and Satan, which is going to be literally uh, that serpent, Satan, uh, the great dragon. And so, yes, I believe that there's truth to this idea of reptilians, uh, but in a biblical sense that they are part of a fallen race, uh, a race that was never meant to be on this on this earth. And that was a hybrid race. What sorts of characteristics will this Antichrist possess? Well, uh, a few characteristics. Um, you're going to change times and laws. He's going to be very charismatic. He's going to be, um, you know, bringing in peace. Um, he's going to be conquering peacefully. Uh, we do see the uh, the peace treaty with um, that's supposed to take place between uh, the Palestinians and, and Israel. 
So there's there's a handful of uh, you know big things that it talks about that he's going to take place or that he's going to do. Um, and it's also said that he'll suffer a mortal, a seemingly mortal head wound, but then he will be resurrected. Exactly. Yeah. So the the world is, and we kind of get in the, into that and in the belly of the beast as well. But he, um, yeah, he's going to be viewed by the whole world. He's going to be loved by the whole world. And um, and in the end, he's going to be able to call down fire from heaven and do some just amazing, crazy things that the world has never seen. It's going to flip the world on its head, really. Um, and that's one of the problems. Uh, even within the church, there's a lot of people that don't have a supernatural uh, biblical perspective. They just look at it like it's a you know a fairy tale and a, you know bedtime stories. And so it's, um, I think that's also, and I'm kind of on a tangent, but I think that's the reason for their secrecy is because they took a big note from, uh, Orson Welles and H.G. Wells, um, War of the Worlds. They saw the effect that that had on society. People were committing suicide, you know, just, just crazy stuff taking place. And, uh, they have to incrementally get the world ready for it. Otherwise it would just kind of implode. A gentleman, when we see these craft in the air, are they ours or are they theirs, given that we made some sort of deal in exchange for technology? It's tough to say. Uh, the thing is, is that we know for a fact that the government for years has been operating with uh, what could only be explained as an unidentified flying object. I mean, clearly uh, they have – I mean, all you got to do is look at some of the – you know, the wartime technology that we operate with today and some of those flying machines, you know, they had predecessors and they had, they had testing that went on that nobody knew about. Uh, but on the other hand, there are very much interdimensional vehicles. And I, I think we need to be careful to not discount that idea because the Bible, uh, and again, as, as a born again Bible believing Christian, I believe the Bible is a very supernatural book that gives us all the answers, uh, where we have even good vehicles of transportation, uh, not just demonic. So there are, in fact, uh, not that we need to be trying to communicate with these things. I want to be very clear about that. But there in, in the Bible, in ancient history, there were accounts of, you know, what we would call a good vehicle coming down. Uh, you know, you had uh, Enoch that was taken up. You had uh, Elijah that was taken up. Um, you've got Ezekiel's wheel. There, there's some very interesting uh, things in Scripture. But I just want to encourage um, what, what was his I'm sorry. What was the name of the caller? Uh, I believe that was Wayne in Hamilton. Wayne, I just wanted to encourage Wayne. Uh, you know, I've, I've got some stories uh, from some friends uh, who have kind of been in a similar situation, and they began to really want to get out there every night at the same time, trying to see it, trying to learn more about it. Uh, and, and, and a very close friend of mine personally uh, got very engulfed in this. And I just want to warn you, uh, a word of caution, if you don't mind, be very careful with this type of, of thing because there are alleged telepathic psychic type powers that can be engaged spiritually upon people that are seeking you know to follow these crafts people that are seeking to to learn more and to watch them physically i i i know a story of a, of a very close friend where he got extremely involved in this and it took over i mean i forget how many months it was taking place he literally was almost bewitched by a force that came down from this particular ufo out in california so I just I say be be careful uh you know trying to go out there and trying to to get too close to these types of things. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, we do a good deal of breaking this down, uh, some of this down in Hollow Earth Chronicles. Uh, but uh, for the sake of time, I'll just quickly say yes, absolutely. Uh, I also want to say that I tend to, to follow the, the less popular view. I believe that God destroyed all of them with the flood, and then I believe in what happened was a second incursion. I believe uh, more fallen angels did it again after the flood. And I think that nowadays they've gotten more creative with their technology because nowadays, you know, you see the these massive giants walking around, uh, that's just not going to go well with the narrative that they sell today. So I think they've gotten creative and, and they've got smaller hybrids now, people, you know, that look more like humans. So, uh, but cool. yes, I do believe that they are waiting and they are part of the end game that will be released uh, during the. More of my conversation with the Brothers Fall when Conspiracy Unlimited continues. It's time once again to bring in Colleen Forgus, our nutritional therapist and the manager at the Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary. Hello once again, Colleen. How are you? Fantastic, Richard. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. You know, I'm getting emails from older gentlemen wondering about the Full Script Dispensary and what we have to offer in terms of prostate health and prostate function. Yes, and this is a really common issue as men age. And the product I recommend to many of my clients is called Sal Palmetto, S-A-W, Palmetto, and it's by Yarrow Formulas. This product is designed to support the prostate health, which is good for urinary and bladder function, as well as sexual function. And those things are just part of the normal aging process, but Sal Palmetto is a great product to help men as they're aging. Fantastic. Sal Palmetto for your prostate. Thanks, Colleen. Thank you, Richard. Take care. To get your Saul Palmetto, go to strangeplanet.ca and then click on the Full Script Dispensary button. Remember, orders receive 10% off and orders of $50 or more ship absolutely free. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. you're staring up at the night sky ever wonder who's staring back no me either but i guess you better say it because of richard you know he's all wrapped up in this stuff <laughs> conspiracy unlimited with richard Serrett. Welcome back, Justin and Wes Fall from Fourth Watch Films. Stay with us. Just before the break, we were talking about the Nephilim mentioned in the Book of Enoch and in Genesis and how they're connected to all of this. Wes, you also wanted to weigh in on the Nephilim. Go ahead. But the the thing that I was going to bring into, uh, into view here is specifically on the Nephilim. We have um, the testimony from Greg Runwick. Renrich, which um, he's the one who had the, Justin started talking about him, but he had the, uh, the above top secret clearance for um, Area 51, Groom Lake, uh, S4, um, just crazy uh, clearances there. And, and so he, he's witnessed that the 10 foot, excuse me, I can't even talk now, the 10 foot tall giants and uh, said that they had referred to themselves as the Nephilim and that they were preparing for an intergalactic war with God and they believe that they're going to win. And that was, he witnessed that in a deep underground military base. Um, to go further, just to show that this is a little bit bigger than just dealing with little green men, um, they weren't allowed to say the name of Jesus underground. So they, and they even had to, they were required to sign an affidavit of agreement on that, uh, that they couldn't even mention the name of Jesus. So there's, there's something bigger going on, but we, we do, uh, we definitely delve into 
uh, looking at the Nephilim in this uh, in this film as well. All right, Tom Horn. Right, right. Tom Horn from Skywatch TV, uh, publisher, author, has been on this program most recently talking about a uh, kind of a doomsday uh, comet that is heading our way. Um, he also is uh, is in the documentary, and actually, in the trailer that I saw, he he kind of warns you guys. He says, you know, be be careful where you're going with this because mm-hmm. it's dangerous. So tell us tell us about Tom Horn and and how his family was impacted by this. Sure. Well, um, we love Tom. He's a great resource, uh, invaluable. Uh, but we reached out to him because he wrote a book called Exo Vaticana. Uh, specifically, that was the one that we were going to um, kind of pick his brain on. And in that book, he investigated the Collins elite, and he sought out the same thing that we were trying to, to get to the bottom of. And in the process, um, he reached out to uh, to a handful of people, but um, one of them was, um, let's see, Gregory Richford. Uh, he was an advanced flight specialist for Ball Aerospace, a uh, massive contractor for the U.S. government. Um, he, caught, he cautioned Tom against disbelieving in the Collins elite type groups. And then he was the one who issued, issued the dire warning to be careful while he's investigating this. And the reason for that is because we were talking about those two different factions that we have, um, with the Collins elite and even further with, uh, with Stan Day, or sorry, with, uh, uh, Ray Boucher and his, uh, his contact with the DOD. Um, we find out that this is still taking place. And so when, when you have those two factions, you've got some who are like, yeah, let's just go do whatever it takes. We've tried the science, and it's not doing as, as well as we had hoped, so let's go ahead and just jump into ritual because it works. But then on the other hand, you have people who are cautioned against it, and they're like, this is wrong, this is demonic, these are nefarious beings, we can't trust them. Um, so that was the big caution because when you're looking into this, we you know, we might have opened up a door and it's it's, some people we don't want to talk to <laughs> or some people that don't want to talk to us. Um, but he had, um, he had cautioned us. He passed that same caution along. Um, but it did, it gives, it gives validity to this idea. Um, another person was Nick Pope. Um, you may have had him on your sure. show before yes, too, yes. but, uh, former director, uh, for the UFO studies group of military and defense of Britain. Uh, Nick as well cautioned against discrediting this information. And he said that he knew of similar groups in Britain, uh, that were running into the same thing. They, that, this is, in fact, real. This phenomenon is real, and it's demonic in nature. So what happened to Tom Horn's brother-in-law? Yes. Um, so that's a, that's a crazy story. This is the first time that he gave uh, that testimony on, on video. Um, so his sister, his sister Vida, um, she had some different visitations, a handful uh, around uh, 13 years of age, um, and she had some visitations from small grays when she was a teenager. So you fast forward to... Um, I'm not sure how many uh, decades later, but she got married, and um, her husband was. Let's see, he was a he was a nuclear physicist, and he worked for General Dynamics in San Diego. And then they had uh, shortly thereafter moved to uh, Los Alamos, and he was doing some work there. And so they're um, they're visiting. They're um, you know he's home from work, and they're having a couple of drinks, and um, and she's telling the story of when she was a child. And so he listened to the the story, just your your uh, standard abduction scenario and um and so he followed up by saying you know what you just said is absolutely true it's re- it's real and he actually went further to say that he's actually working on um working on some of this very alien technology um for for their transport um he was he was reverse engineering it. exactly re- uh, deconstructing it and um so 48 hours later this is where it gets real crazy so he tells her that 
and 48 hours later, he's uh, he's nowhere to be seen. He can't be found. She's um, she's already reported him missing. Um, you know, did the report and everything, and she's reaching out to Los Alamos. Hey, you know, where's my husband? I need to. You know, I'm worried. Um, Los Alamos couldn't give her any information, and so she after after so many uh, after so much time passes, she's trying to get um, benefits because she no longer has a husband. And she goes to Social Security, and they're like, we need a death certificate. But Los Alamos couldn't produce one. So she's going back. She's going round and round in circles trying to get all this uh, sorted out. Um, Los Alamos gets back in touch with her and says, uh, your husband died in a tragic accident, and we can't tell you the details of this. It can't be reviewed. And they couldn't produce a body either. But um, a few days after or a few weeks after that, she gets a call from Social Security and they say, hey, you're good to go. You don't need documentation. You don't need to produce a body. Um, you're, you're good. So they obviously had – they were under surveillance and Must even be. in their own home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and the thing that blows my mind about this whole scenario is that uh, they just tried to sweep it under the rug and let it go, but she wouldn't let that go. I mean this is her husband, and, and, and he was the breadwinner, and so she starts rattling the cages up the chain of, of authority in the government. And more agencies are now getting attention to the fact that, uh, uh, you know, a high security clearance government worker has disappeared and, and his, uh, possible widow is trying to get money. And so in order to just silence everything and just put it into her research, they just, they just gave it to her. Hey, you know, take this. Don't ever talk about it again. Just head over to fourthwatchfilms.com, all spelled out. And, uh, you'll have access. We've got, uh, we've got our films available there for streaming. Some people are going to want to go watch immediately. And, and if you stream the film, you get to watch it in high definition, uh, which is really cool, especially with Hollowworth Chronicles because you get to see all the, all the documents and all the, all the really cool B-roll and the footage that we present in high def. Uh, but I, I just want to say that, uh, there's so much we didn't get to hit on tonight. So many key elements of higher entities. There's just so much information out there. Um, so I really do hope people will take advantage of uh, checking out this film just to kind of get uh, the, the, the deeper depths of what, we, uh, what we've researched here. If you had to pick one of those elements that uh, we didn't discuss, which one would it be? I would have to say Ray Boucher. Ray Boucher what? is a man of mystery. He was the former head of MUFON for his state uh, in Nebraska. And not only is he a, a former Anglican priest, a former Baptist minister, uh, he is uh, a theologian. He is a, just a, a brilliant man, but he's also an exorcist. And he was very involved in the UFO community, still is, uh, more so from kind of the behind the scenes now. But Ray Boucher was involved in all of this, uh, you know, back before there was the Internet. Uh, there wasn't websites floating around when he was, you know, back in the day, he, he was like going out to meetings. He was, you know, reading letters and books and, and, and VHS tapes. Anyway, I say all this to say that because of his unique background, Ray was contacted by phone originally by two men who were researchers for the Department of Defense. And they wanted to meet with him and talk to him because they were – seemingly to be a modern version of the Collins elite. Okay, These guys were part of a bigger interdepartmental group that were now engaging in what they called satanic rituals being funded by our taxpayer dollars uh, as well as private sectors. But these, some of these rituals were taking place in government facilities. Now, this is pretty serious when you stop and think about the uh, – 
the eyewitness accounts that these two Department of Defense agents gave Ray. Uh, they talked to him on the phone. They said, we got to meet with you. They met secretly in a hotel room. Uh, we, we get a full disclosure from Ray in the film, uh, but he explains the use of psychotronic weapons. Uh, psychic abilities being uh, carved out in people. They, they were actually looking for people that had psychic abilities that they would abduct, bring in, and really try to uh, use those abilities and, and really push them to the limits uh, for government and military applications. They were trying to establish contact between certain individuals and certain entities to where people could use their abilities to contact these entities while sitting in these chairs, special chairs, what they would call psychic chairs. I mean this stuff, it's almost like uh, what we hear about that was taking place with Montauk. Um, but what's really interesting is that these men from the Department of Defense, they said that they were very concerned that this departmental group, this interdepartmental group, uh, they were concerned that they were now involved in some very satanic rituals involving human sacrifice, Richard. Human Zero sacrifice point. on the watch of the Department of Defense on American soil on government facilities, black obviously black facilities, black sites. And he says that they were in communication with NHEs, non-human entities. Now, when we go back to what was going on with the Collins Elite, we say, well, that was a long time ago, but what's going on with that today? What's the current status? And my, my statement on that, the answer to that would be Department of Defense has been heavily engaged secretly – and working with entities, uh, doing everything that they can to try to uh, reach out to even new entities. I mean, when you, you know, I, I don't understand how a group like this would continue doing these things, reaching out on new tests, you know, if they're dealing with the same entities. So what my belief is is that there's several key groups in the government. Uh, all of them are interdepartmental, and they've got different entities that they're working with, and that's why we have so many documents now. Uh, that have been declassified, over 300 declassified documents of the FBI dealing with all manner of strangeness. Uh, matter of fact, I was on the phone with Ray Boucher just the other day, and he told us that he's been working with a guy who's former CIA. He actually worked at a desk called the Weird Desk. Can you imagine a guy working for the CIA that everything that comes on his desk <laughs> is just the weird stuff? Yeah, it's the real life X-Files. I've heard of that. For those not familiar with Montauk, the Montauk chair, they're on the eastern end of uh, Long Island. Tell us a little bit about Montauk. Well, there's a lot of speculation. Um, I think a lot of what happened there was uh, spiritual projections to where people were astral projecting. Uh, even even against their will, if that's even a thing. That's, that's just my theory, uh, that there were uh, out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, stuff like that taking place, and people that were uh, being abused, you know, spiritually abused in this scenario, uh, and physically abused, now, I believe that they were being forced into these projections, and so they, they really thought that they were experiencing these things, but it was actually a spiritual projection, kind of like uh, when uh, Satan was able to, to show Jesus the kingdoms of the world in just a moment of time. That's what I think was going on, uh, but people involved in Montauk that were, you know, the abductees, they – it was very scary stuff. I mean, they really believed that they were traveling back in time from these psychic chairs. Right. This, there was an element of child abduction. People were being supposedly swept off the street, uh, taken to this underground uh, base. Uh, it's also kind of wrapped up with MK Ultra mind control, and so forth. Um, we just have a few minutes left here. And one of the questions that we didn't get around to was, I think, Wes, you mentioned this. Uh, the question was, you know, why did these entities 
make an exclusive deal with the United States? My take on it is that um, we're, we're pretty much uh, we've been set apart as like the you know the world police you know the the head guys the head honchos the most powerful nation in the earth uh, on the world uh, scene and so I think that that's probably why why it t- uh, they reached out. Um, I really don't know. I, I don't. That's the best that I can muster. I have to jump in real quick, and I believe the reason they chose the U.S. is because the United States uh, is part of an ancient destiny, a secret destiny, uh, completely opposite of what we've been taught. Uh, I'm hoping that we can come back on and talk about that. Uh, matter of fact, I believe that the United States, uh, before its infancy, uh, you know, I mean, we've got ancient history on this nation, on the land. And going back to what you said earlier, Richard, about you know we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You know, the Bible says we're wrestling with these principalities, these these uh, you know these entities, if you will. And I believe that the principality over this continent of uh, America, you know, we're dealing with North America, you know, Mexico, Canada, there's this big chunk of land, I believe, is the land of the plumed serpent. And we've done a great expose on this. I'd love to talk with you about it more, but it has a strong role to play in end times prophecy. And again, these occultists know these aliens, these entities, they know. What's coming on the face of this earth and they know that their time is limited and so they are preparing right now as as we've been told for an intergalactic war with God and they are wrangling in as many human helpers as they can for this last time's feat and America plays a huge massive role as the end times resurrected Babylon. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, this was quite a ride. Gentlemen, thank you again. Our pleasure, Richard. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Okay, that concludes part two of my two-part conversation with Wes and Justin Fall. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back on the other side to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. I want to tell you about something I discovered recently called Carbon 60. I call it the Miracle Molecule. Now, you might remember an interview I did recently with a researcher, Chris Burris, who's looking to help people who experience pain, inflammation, loss of sleep, or lost mental acuity with his new C60 company, C60Evo.com. He has a product which is a consumable form of Carbon 60 called ESS60 that's been proven in peer-reviewed, published research to extend the lifespan of test rats by 90% while allowing them to live tumor-free. That's pretty amazing. Those rats were given the C60Evo.com formula. The formula is a powerful antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C, and it's known to be a powerful anti-inflammatory. C60 is based on Nobel Prize winning chemistry. I highly recommend ESS60. The mighty Aphrodite and I take a tablespoon every morning, and we're both pain-free and sleeping better than ever. Discover the benefits of Carbon 60. I call it the miracle molecule, ESS60, from C60Evo.com. Now, make sure to use the coupon code RS1SPEC. That's RS1SPEC. Buy today at C60Evo.com. That's C60Evo.com. And don't forget the code RS1SPEC. This product has not been assessed by the FDA and is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure. If you have a medical concern, 
please consult your health care provider. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, Sloan Bella, a sexy psychic, returns to the podcast to discuss COVID-19, the riots, and more. They're going to continue to keep doing this to us. They're forcing us into a corral, and eventually they're going to force us to do what they want us to do. That's what they're trying to see, how pliable we are right now. I feel it's a mass takeover. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 